0: New year, new roster. The Florida Gators are now at 20 players in the transfer portal. We're going to talk about it here today on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Monday, happy new year, happy 2024, and happy fantasy championship if you won your league. Just saying. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with whole nine sports giants, and NFL 33. Today's episode of Locked on Gators is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. With any winning $5 money line bets, $150. If your team wins, visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Um we're going to talk about the transfer portal today because the Florida Gators lost three starters in the past week to the transfer portal, and that that kind of does suck, but it's also, there's goods and there's bads, you know, um, pros, cons, whatever you want to say, positives, negatives. Um, but we're going to start with Scooby Williams because he hit the portal yesterday. By the way, I am recording this early-ish on a new year's eve so if there's news in the evening i'm not going to get to it because of course it's new year's eve um so there there's that but scooby williams hit the portal yesterday that leaves what shamar james and manny nunnery really as your starting players maybe you include Derek wingo if you're if you're happy with how he played at the tail end of the season there, I know the Florida State game, he played like a bad out of hell, but Shamar James, Scooby Williams, or Scooby Williams gone, but Shamar James and Manny Nunnery likely going to be the starters at linebacker for next year with Jaden Robinson, a 2023 freshman, Miles Graham, a 2024 freshman, and Aaron Childs, a 2024 freshman, all fighting for linebacker snaps. Not an ideal situation to be in, um, just, going to call a spade a spade here and just say that playing linebacker at the SEC level is incredibly difficult. And just looking at the 2024 schedule, you're going to play against a team like Ole Miss, who you do play in the swamp uh, late in the year, but at Ole Miss team, I mean, look, I've said it before when talking about Lane Kiffin's offense. We often talk about whether the option game or or read options, zone read whatever it may be, We often talk about a conflict defender. Lane Kiffin makes every linebacker a conflict defender. And if you're someone who's inexperienced, like Jaden Robinson will be like miles Graham will be. And like Aaron Childs will be. That's not great. You also look at Deuce Spurlock is someone who came in with the last transfer portal class didn't play, but even he was thought of as someone who was not going to play much. Pretty much the moment that he, Committed to Florida, we knew that this was going to be a long-term development. He came with uh, years of eligibility remaining from Michigan. The expectation was always going to be that he's going to be a long-term development. So getting Shamar James back for next season will be huge. Getting Manny Nunnery back, I know that a lot of people weren't huge on what Manny Nunnery brought to the table. I know that a lot of people think of the 4th and thirteen play against Missouri. uh, But for the most part, Manny Nunnery played... Pretty well, given that he was kind of thrust. He didn't start playing a lot of snaps. He kind of took over as the season went on. I mean, Shamar James got hurt, but losing Scooby, I and I also know that a lot of people are talking about the uh, the, the PFF grade of his because it's like oh, the, the second lowest grade on the entire defense. Yeah, um, it was, and I I've said since before the season that I just I don't think that he's an off ball linebacker. And that's where they played him. So, unsurprisingly, first off, unsurprisingly, his best grade on PFF was his pass rush grade. But also, unsurprisingly, when you take a guy who's best suited to play as an edge rusher, a jack, and you play him as an off-ball linebacker, unsurprisingly, things don't go swimmingly. And I, I, I will stand by, I think, Scooby... As a hell of a player, like I'm, he's one of those guys where I get it. He wasn't phenomenal. I do think he was being used improperly. We'll say, but he did the things that you love to see, like communication at the second level was fantastic from Scooby Williams, which is important because 2022 you had Ventrell Miller, who is arguably the best communicator we've seen in the past decade or so at linebacker for the Florida Gators. He left, and Scooby Williams took over. Again, you can see him making the calls, him yelling out assignments, everything. So he was a fantastic communicator, played like his hair was on fire every single play. Like, yeah, he missed tackles. Yeah, he blew assignments and coverage. He did the things that—like, he did what he can do, and he was asked to do things that he probably shouldn't be asked to do. Like, you shouldn't have been putting Scooby Williams as an off ball linebacker. This was a thing that we talked about preseason. It was a thing we talked about for the duration of the season where he's just not a great player in space. And it's as simple as And that's not a knock on him. You have your skill set, you have what you are best suited to do. And you should be doing that. But instead, he was an edge rusher. Who coming out of high school, he was an edge rusher. So he was a high school edge rusher that should have been playing edge rusher at the next level, and was playing off ball linebacker for Florida. That's not on him. <laughs> like, like I, I get it. His play wasn't great, and a lot of Gators fans were like, "All right, deuces them. Like you weren't awesome." That. I put on coaching. Uh, I'm not sure if he's leaving to go play edge. I'm not sure if he's leaving to stay off-ball linebacker just at a different spot. Hell, maybe he goes to Texas A&M. Jay Bateman, Florida Gators linebackers coach, just left last week to go to Texas A&M to be their defensive coordinator. Who's to say he doesn't want to just follow Jay Bateman? Who's to say he doesn't want to go to, is it Baylor, where Christian Robinson is now? I'm not sure, but I will say that This is a linebacker room that was not good to begin with for the Florida Gators and just got worse for everybody that doesn't like what Scooby put on film last year. He was still your starting linebacker. He was still one of your best three options. I'll say, because if you want to say Shamar was a better option, if you want to say Manny Nandere is a better option, fine, but Scooby Williams was one of your best three options at linebackers. And now you don't have that anymore. I'm very curious to see the next step that Jaden Robinson takes because Jaden Robinson didn't play a lot of linebacker this year played a, a little bit of it played mostly special teams, didn't play a lot of linebacker, but he's also undersized, but he's also just, he was like a safety linebacker hybrid in high school. Curious to see how that carries over. Now with another year under his belt, another year in the, uh, or another off season in the strength and conditioning program, another off season of learning the defense. Um, and so I'm curious to see how Jaden Robinson carries over. I'm hesitant to say that Miles Graham and Aaron Childs are going to be big time impact players right away. I'm not saying they can't be, but it's kind of like offensive line. I don't like to project a guy as a true freshman to be a big time impact player at that position in the sec like it's it's as simple as that it's not a knock on their film or anything their film is fantastic they're aggressive they're smart they're physical as hell but they're still true freshmen in the sec and so that gives me a little bit of pause as to just come out and say oh yeah they could do it with no problem um yeah but there's going to be even more changes on the defensive level because we are going to talk about Jaden hill in just one second before we do that though. Quick word from FanDuel. Today's episode of Lockdown on Gators is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Mm-hmm. It's $150 bucks In bonus bets, whether you win or lose, boom. Don't even have to win anymore. Don't even have to win anymore. The app is so easy to use. There's, I mean, there's a billion different ways you can bet on the freaking thing. There's live same game parlays. They've added the pulse, which is like, let's say Devontae Adams opens the game with a 40-yard catch and his line before the game is 64.5 yards. Then guess what? His line will bump and they'll be like, all right, look. This is the pulse they were getting, that he's going to have a good day. So now people are betting that he's going to have 90-plus receiving yards. And it's it's just an awesome little thing. I'm just saying. There's bets in the Explore tab, which is awesome. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays. But I avoid that, to be honest. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free reviews in the podcast. And another Florida Gators defensive starter hit the portal this weekend in Jaden Hill, the starting star, which was uh, a bit surprising. Not going to lie, a bit surprised. I thought he was going to go to the NFL or come back. Uh, I will say that I was told that the staff did not really try to keep him. But Jaden Hill played 422 snaps as a slot corner. That's a lot. Next most was 138 with Jordan Castell. That is, uh, that means you've got a lot of snaps to replace in that secondary. And again, we're projecting a young player to do it because Sharif Denson's the main person that we're looking at right now, right? There's Sharif Denson. There's, Trickwiese Bridges. I'm not sure who else you look to play star. Like, do do we look at just those two? Do you continue to look into the portal for another defensive back that you're going to add? But again, Florida's still looking to add corners and safeties. Are you looking to the portal for a star? Do you play? Dijon Johnson there? Do you play Jakeem Jackson there? Do you try to move Jason Marshall inside because Jaden Hill was a boundary corner up until this past season where he went into star? I, I don't think you have Jason Marshall there. I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's physical enough to do that really. But again, if Jason Marshall does come back, which he still can declare or portal or return, if he does come back, do you try it there? Because he he found success as a pass rusher, like he was he was a decent blitzer from the cornerback spot. So do you play him in the slot? And you just try to make some stuff happen there. I don't know. Do you give Aaron Gates and Sharif Denson? Do you kind of just hand them the keys at Star? Like, look, I hate that Jaden Hill's gone. I do. I understand he wasn't great either. He was arguably still a top four. And I know a lot of people. I know a lot of Gators fans. Uh, you do think that he had an awesome year. He had a he had a much better year than I thought he'd have. I will say that. I think he was above average maybe good not great maybe good but he was the best of a bad bunch in the secondary he was top four defender on the team maybe top 5 i mean princely was number 1 for me i don't i get it people are going to disagree i don't care but princely cam jackson Then maybe Jaden Hill, maybe Jordan Castell. There wasn't a ton of success on the defense side of the ball, and that's a big thing too because there wasn't like this year was a horrible year for the Florida Gators defense. He was still one of the best. Like that's why I don't like when people go, "Oh, who cares if you lose Scooby? Who cares if you lose Jaden Hill? You're losing guys." Like yeah, the defense sucked last year. You you're losing the guys that were the best players on that defense though. Like you've lost the best players from a bad defense. Do you get how that works? I think the best way to replace that is to find the way that these guys play more cohesively as a unit, because you've lost princely I don't think you're replacing that you've lost Jaden Hill. You can replace that with the young guys that, uh, uh, that improve you've lost Scooby Williams. You can replace that with the young guys that improve, but I think you're losing a lot of talent and they were your best players on a bad defense. So I, I do think that it's genuinely a cause for concern there. But again, looking at Jaden Hill, I hate that he's gone, personally. I know I was very, very skeptical of Jaden Hill finding success at that star spot because I I remember prior to the 2022 season, he was dealing with kind of getting healthy um, with that knee. And then during the 2022 season, when he came back, I think it was the Missouri game? Was his first or second game back? Um, He had the two picks. And even then, like throughout the rest of the season, he was really good in zone and really bad in man coverage. And it was very clear that that knee was still bothering him, that he wasn't moving as fluidly as he possibly can. And then 2023 came and it's like, hey, he's going to move to star. And my big hesitancy was if that knee isn't 100% healthy, he is not going to be able to play star. And he he played damn well at star. Uh, he was what Jaden Hill put on film in 2023. It was better than Florida had at star in 2022 and 2021. So I, I've got no complaints about what Jaden Hill did. Like, yeah, he wasn't awesome, but he was the best we've seen at star in, in a couple of years. But I, I do think that you really have to look at, what this team's going to have at star for 2023. And you're like, okay, well, we're back to trying to replace the most difficult position in football outside of quarterback. I've said it a million times before. When I played, I played cornerback and safety. Played both of those spots. I could not play play nickel. We didn't call it star. That's not what we did. But I could not play nickel. It's the most difficult position to play on the defensive side of the ball. And I truly think it's the most difficult position in the sport outside of quarterback. Because you have to be able to rush the passer because you're going to blitz from the spot. You have to be able to defend the run because you're now in the lane. Like you're in the box a lot. So you're you very well might be just straight up one-on-one with the running back in the backfield. You've got to make a play. You've got to be able to play man and zone, and it's also just so different because if you're playing safety, you're going to play more zone than you're going to play man. You get to use your eyes, look in the backfield, look what's happening in front of you, and you get a little bit more time to make the play. If you're playing corner, a lot of times in college when they line up really wide, you don't have to worry too much about defending outbreaking stuff. Like You can kind of just line up on the outside shoulder. And kind of play in. That's how they do it. I, you look at how Nick Saban did it. How so many Alabama cornerbacks during that prime dynasty run for Alabama that, and I, I mean when they were just like AJ McCarron QB, like back then, so many of their cornerbacks were elite in college, early draft picks in the NFL, and didn't really pan out in the NFL like a Drake Patrick kind of guy, where he had a, a lengthy career but never lived up to the first round hype. It's that they would play that three quarter shuffle where they'd line up outside the receiver and shuffle back. And then you, cause it's a lot easier to run in and make a play when you're already lined up outside. And in college, when they line up so wide, you can kind of cheat to the outside a little bit more and just worry about coming downhill. And so you can do that in college. at, at corner, but at slot in the nickel at star, you have to be able to play man and zone. You have to be able to play zone over the middle of the field, zone over the flat, zone over the deep third, if that's going to be where you're dropping back. And you have to be able to play man against slot receivers, against tight ends, and defend both inside and outbreaking breaking routes, whereas the shiftier receivers, big tight ends that you're going to be lined up against, it's hell. Like, there's just no other way to put it. It's hell. And now you're replacing a guy who played pretty well at that. So could it be Sharif Denson? Maybe. Could it be Jason Marshall? Maybe. I I don't think there's a ton of great options. You could go Jakeem Jackson, Dijon Johnson, but even then, you're still, and Aaron Gates, you're still trying to teach a guy to play that spot. And that's where it gets a little murky sometimes because it's going to be guys that haven't typically played there. Um, So I I think that it's, it's tough to project replacing those guys. It's tough to project the star spot for Florida in 2024, but you've got to figure it out. You, you do have a key defensive player that you have to replace in Jaden Hill and Scooby Williams. And then you also have to worry about the offensive side of the ball because Florida you lost Micah Mazuka, your starting right guard. He entered the portal on Thursday night. We touched on it a bit on the Friday show, which is why we're talking about Micah Mazuka last year. But Micah Mazuka of course, came over about a year ago from Baylor, and it was incredible, the hype behind him for an offensive lineman. Because when Micah Mazuka came over, it was coming from Baylor, He was the second highest rated guard in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. And the highest rated guard, the one guard above him, was Florida Gators guard Osiris Torrance. So Micah Mazuka was the highest graded returning guard in the country in 2022 going into 2023. And then he came from Baylor and we kinda heard that there was a shoulder injury that they found in the spring and that he would need to get surgery on. And then he tweeted that he was going to enter the transfer portal, um, which was very confusing. Uh he tweeted he was going to enter the transfer portal. And then the next day, or maybe even that night, he was like, Ah, never mind, not doing that. Um and then missed most of the spring with the shoulder injury. Fall camp was when he came back and wasn't great. Um, This past season was not good for Micah Mazzucca. It was very, very underwhelming from him. And I, I don't fault him necessarily. I said this during the season. I said it after the season, and I will maintain this. I do not think that this was a missed evaluation by Billy Napier. And this coaching staff, I do think that they've had quite a few of those in the transfer portal and in high school. I don't think this is one of those cases. I think this is one of those cases of they looked at the film and they saw a good guard because Micah Mazuka's film at Baylor was very good, and I think that they looked at the film, they saw a good guard, a good football player that operated in a wide zone like Jeff Grimes ran at Baylor, and then. He came to Florida, had the shoulder injury, and it all went, that's all that happened. Uh, It it just went kaput. He had that shoulder injury, and and I realize I'm harping on the shoulder, but I do think that it's really the reason why. Because it's not just, oh, he came to the SEC and was worse. He looked worse on film just in everything he did. Going from the Big 12 to the SEC isn't going to change your technique. It's not going to change how much pop you have in your punch. But the film from when Michael Mazuka was at Baylor to when he came to Florida, he did not have as much pop in his punch, which I think is a great indicator that that shoulder was bothering him. We talked about this on the show where when he said he was hitting the portal and then he said he was coming back, that I reached out to someone on staff and I was told, hey, he's seven. He's having some difficulty dealing with that shoulder just mentally. He, it, it's screwing with his game. Um, so I, I think that we can look at that shoulder as something that really changed him completely. And I hope that he is healthy now. And again, apparently the staff has known for months that he was planning on hitting the portal. But with Mike Mizuka the film just broke down. The shoulder, he had no pop in his punch. And I think because of that, he tried to overcompensate for that lack of punch with his legs. And I think that him overcompensating with his legs just completely destroyed his footwork, completely destroyed everything he wanted to do as a blocker, as a guard. And it just made him not even bad. It just made him average. But what we were expecting was kind of great. And we, and we never really got that. I do think that he was the, Worst of the three starting interior offensive linemen on film during this past season. I think Jake Slaughter was the best offensive lineman on the entire team. And I think Richie Leonard, the fourth is the best was the second best lineman on the entire team. And they're both on the inside and help. You could say that Michael Mazouk was still the third best player or third best offensive lineman on the team because tackle play was so bad. But you look at Damian George and Austin Barber had the most pressures allowed on the team. Then it was Richie Leonard IV who who played more games than Micah Mazzucca, Uh, because don't forget that Micah Mazzucca was suspended for a game after the Tennessee game for the fight at the end. Um, so Richie Leonard had two more pressures allowed. Micah Mazzucca had 14 allowed on the year. Uh, Mazzucca allowed three sacks. And I think as the year went on, we kind of saw a more volatile Michael Mazzucca, I don't know what was going on with that, but I feel like as the year went on, we saw a more volatile Michael Mazzucca. I think against Georgia, he played probably his best game of the year. And then Florida State and LSU, he was bad in both of them. Um, So I think we saw a a pretty volatile Michael Mazzucca, but I do think that it's it's tough to replace him. Um, I, I think that Florida, you have to add another offensive lineman in the transfer portal, but do we look at the 2024 season with Richie Leonard, the fourth at left guard and Najee Harris at right guard. Also, I do want to say the Mike Mazuka thing. I know people keep going, Oh, well, well he played left guard at Baylor and you played him at right guard. Um, that doesn't matter. Genuinely. I-, I realize that tackle is a big difference going from the left side to the right side guard, not nearly as big or as drastic as a change there. Um, so I-, I think that that's, A cop-out, really. But looking at 2024, is it Richie Leonard at left guard? Najee Harris at right guard? Do, Do we have the conversation about Damian George? Because when Damian George came over from Alabama last year, the thought process that I had, at least, was he's going to play or he's going to compete for the right tackle spot with Keontae Goodwin. The expectation would be that Keontae Goodwin wins that battle. And then Damian George moves into guard. Obviously, Keonta Goodwin had uh family matters that caused him to leave Florida, giving Damian George the right tackle spot, and then putting Richie Leonard the fourth in at left guard, which by the way ended up being a fantastic option to have Richie uh starting at left guard. Again, he was the second best offensive lineman on the team, I think. Um I think that, yeah, you have, you have to look at Naishie Harris. I think you have to look at Riley Simons, maybe being able to play that right guard spot. I think you look at, can Richie do that if Najee Harris is more comfortable on the left side of things? But Naishie, again, Naishie played both guard spots. When Richie Leonard came out, it was Najee Harris. Uh, or when Mike Mazzucca came out, it was Najee Harris. So, Naji Harris played both sides and he played a little bit of center as well. So he, he's very versatile on the inside, but again, at center, you've got Jake Slaughter and you feel pretty good about that. Um, but I'm very curious to see just, just what the plan is for the Florida Gators at guard because you have to hit the portal. I, I, I really think that you truly desperately need to hit the portal if you're Florida for another offensive lineman. You brought in Brandon Crenshaw-Dixon. That's great. That solves one of your tackle spots. Maybe both of your tackle spots. If you play Brandon Crenshaw Dixon at left and Austin Barber at right. But then now you still have to find out right guard. You still have to figure that out. I don't think you really brought in guys that are going to be ready to compete this year, uh, from the 2024 class again, like linebacker. I don't think that it's smart to project true freshmen making an impact. Fletcher Westfall is an offensive tackle. He's your highest rated, uh, Offensive line commit for this cycle. Everyone else, I think of more as developmental pieces. Maybe, maybe there's a wrong way to think of things, but I think of, I think of them more as developmental pieces. Then you look back to last year. Do you try Rod Kearney at guard and throw him into the competition? It's what he played in high school, but they moved him to center and he didn't play this year. Do you talk about Najee Harris? Like, do you just have a battle between Najee Harris, Rod Kearney? And you go, all right, whoever wins, it's going to be the starting guard. Is that what you do, you do? you allow Bryce Lovett into that conversation? The, I think there's a lot of ways that you can go about it. Um, I think there's a lot of options for Florida to replace Micah Mazuka on roster. I don't think there's a lot of good options to replace Micah Mazuka at right guard. So for me, that's why I think you got to go portal hunting and at least throw an experienced name into the mix there for Florida. And I understand that it's not easy to find good offensive linemen in the portal because good offensive linemen tend to just go to the NFL draft. Uh, but there's there's names out there, there's options out there that you can add and again, just add to the competition. Just bring in another one, bring in an experienced player and have him compete with the inexperienced younger players and see whoever wins wins. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day, every day. We are available daily and free. To listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators football, more Florida Gators transfer portal. Got a lot going on. For Locked on Gators, I'm Brandon Olison. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with whole nine sports giants, country NFL 33, and I will see you all tomorrow.